Welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt, I treat this like my thesis, well-written topic broken down into pieces. Hey, Ryan. L O V E Love Love. Well, and that combination, that spectrum of elementary school um, spelling and um, doctoral theses is the full range of the ed- educational gambit um, that is available on The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, um, Lauren Hill's debut studio album, I guess only studio album um, from 1998 um, that follows after um, her work um, with the Fugees, um, her uh, guest appearances on um, Wyclef Jean's uh, The Carnival, which we um, – which, which came out in 97. Um, and now because we are in, um, uh, we are now in our historical stretch in, uh, 1998, um, celebrating the 20th anniversary year of a bunch of records, uh, over the next few weeks. Um, and, um, the miseducation of Lauren Hill is a big one. It was a huge commercial, um, smash when it came out. Um, uh, I believe topped the Billboard albums chart. Um, the um, most popular single, uh, Doo Wop, That Thing, um, debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And I believe um, was the the rating, um, let's see if I get this correct, uh, rap song by a solo rap song by a female rapper um, to top the Hot 100 um, until Cardi B's uh, Bodak Yellow um, uh, achieved that fate uh, earlier in the fall of 2017, unseating um, Taylor Swift. Um, so there's so Lauren Hill uh, and the miseducation of Lauren Hill has been in the news a lot lately. Um, you know, it was referenced when um, Cardi B's feat was being remarked upon. Um, and I think, you know, expect to hear a lot more about it um, over the over the year as its 20th anniversary um, approaches. I believe it um uh, it, I believe it'll, it will turn 20 officially in late August um, 19 or late August of uh, of 2018. Um, and so, you know, and th- I think this is an interesting time, right? All throughout the 90s, um, you know, Matt, you and I have been able to remember <laughs> these releases more, right? Back when we were doing the Beatles, you know, we were we were you know decades from existing, but now uh, we were, um, at least in your case, uh, you were you were an adult. Um, I guess, yeah, when when this this came... came. Right, like uh, we were talking before we hit record, and I bought this record probably in our college town, like at the record store, because I had this... You had had just shown up for your freshman orientation, probably, right? If it was uh, August August 98, August 25th, 1998 was when this came out. (laughs) Yeah, God. And it's funny, like when I listen back to it... I, I I don't know why I didn't play this like uh, at the uh, at the freshman year party I threw when I I um, I played Wyclef Jean and and uh, the the many northeastern white people that we went to school with just stopped dancing until you put on some Bon Jovi like this would have been more this would have been better this is a I think sort of a more danceable record and probably like uh, yeah I don't know though though the the carnival has some definite high points this is probably the superior work like uh, on the whole um, well but this is an interesting thing for a, I mean it's there's an interesting question and it's another um, kind of digression altogether of if you had to DJ a party just by playing one album, right? So one 
one thing released as a commercial re- release, and I, I would even include compilations into this and, and mashups, just one thing that was a commercially produced disc, what would you choose? Because, you know, this, you know, certainly if you were DJing a party in 1998, um, you would want to, you know, have, I guess if you were like five disc changering, d- changer DJing, um, you would, um, you know, at least have this in. Um, but it's, you know, even here, like for every doo-wop or um, everything is everything or every ghetto, every city, which is an amazing dance track. This album has a lot of ballads, has a lot of these kinds of um, kind of reggae songs that breathe a lot more. Um, and um, even if, you know, uh, you know, doo-wop would have been, you know, the the despacito of its time. Right. Uh, and, and I think would have gotten everyone dancing. Um, I think. You know, maybe by, you know, when it hurts so bad, that would have I don't know if it would have cleared the dance floor or just kind of, um, you know, brought out the slow jams. Right. But that it's 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 definitely (laughs) that's that's uh, definitely a lot of a lot of like awkward, sexually frustrated, bad smelling 18 year olds like grinding away in a basement uh, when it hurts so bad. uh, Why does it feel so good is not an inappropriate (laughs) sentiment to express at that moment. Right. Yeah, but but you don't want the appropriate sentiments. You want the inappropriate sentiments. So right, I mean, I, I I feel like there is an answer that I'm confident is saying this is the mic drop uh, answer to your uh, question. It's a it's an album that was released on October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, it's a, a it's a compilation. It's a little compilation called Now That's What I Call Music. Number one, <laughs> number one, the original, the oft imitated, very oft imitated, never duplicated. Uh, now that's what I call music, featuring "As Long as You Love Me" by the Backstreet Boys, "Mbop" by Hanson. Yeah. If you could only see Barbie Girl, uh, you know, "Fly Away." And uh, and closing out with Marcy Playground's "Sex and Candy," oh, as yeah. you you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because before that album, we you would have heard these sounds and not known what to call it. <laughs> you know, it, it would have been like, "What is that? Uh, what is that that is emanating from that speaker?" And but that when you played this, you would pl- you would play it, and uh, everyone at that party would would look at each other and in unison say, "Now that's what I call music," <laughs> uh, and, and 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 they would and they would and they would dance. But this is a um, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, while it is is an album for dancing is an album for many other things right this is a i think you know potentially because as much as it is a hip-hop album a rap album it is also a neo soul album and is also an r&b album and is also a reggae album and is also a gospel album and is also a um a a one-act play set in an elementary school classroom <laughs> uh in a kind of uh undefined uh, uh time in both the past present and future right it is it is the first prog r&b album i think or what um you know that and there may be kind 
kind of proto prog R&Bs. But I, one, one of the things I, I, I thought of with this, as much as it is of its time and you can understand the skits um, in between the songs as being a product of its time, it's it's something very different, right? Even we talked about the skits last week with DMX and in the prior um, early mid uh, early to mid 90s um, hip hop albums. And these are different, right? That there's musical underscoring underneath these um, and they're they're kind of thematically linked and they're very brief, right? Um, and it, it makes a, again, a very interesting contrast with the, um, you know, the courtroom uh, uh, skits on the carnival, right? Uh, and so it is... Who is this bishop and why hasn't he been called to testify? Bishop, not true, false, not true. <laughs> oh, bullshit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's actually not particularly apt to compare... Uh, the carnival and yeah. and uh, miseducation, or to compare Wyclef Jean and Lauren Hill, because they're two completely different works, and they're two completely different, I think, kinds of artist. You know, and um, right, like uh, you know, Wyclef being maybe the more social, and Lauren Hill the more personal, and uh, you know, and carnival and and miseducation being sort of two very different projects, which I, I I guess we'll get into miseducation over the course of this hour. But like, you can't not because they were in the Fujis together, you know, right? And like, right. Not, not because they were not because they were uh, romantically linked necessarily, but because they were on like they you know made the score together, like which is right. the best album of this kind until this album came along. Right, you know, and so uh, so it's a little unavoidable. Even though I, you could make an argument that it's not the most apt comparison, it's a little unavoidable to talk about them, uh, to talk about them together. But yeah, this this uh, I mean, I'll say that this record is distinguished by far superior taste. You know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) and that's uh, and you know, I don't know. That's not nothing considering how young she was at the time when she was making this anyway well it is and, you know the other kind of current things that it, it reminds me of in terms of both this combination of taste sophistication um and youth is also uh, uh, Ari- ariana grande <laughs> yes <laughs> no halsey uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh no actually is uh, chance the rapper right um is uh is sure Keller- um and and there there are just a lot you can see the influences there um among uh you know the, uh, among all of the prog r&b albums of last year i think i especially see the connections um to um to chance um just especially in the way that it's kind of um yeah and i, I think one thing that's unique about this and i would have to think if there are other good examples but the fact that the the barrier between singing and rapping is so permeable. Right. I mean, it's not that she's yet sing rapping, right? She's not, um, you know, we have already been past bone thugs and harmony at this point, um, but she both sings and raps and, and kind of has proved, you know, I, I think that I remember what I've read about Lauren Hill is that when she was kind of recruited by, Wyclef and Praz to be in the Fugees. She was recruited to be the singer, but then she taught herself to rap also. Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and throughout the Fugees work, um, you know, I think often delivers many of the best verses, um, on the score and many of the best verses on the carnival as well, from the perspective of rapping. Right. Um, even on her handful of, of, um, appearances there. I mean, the Fugees are interesting, right. In that they were, 
a super group uh, before they were super, right? <laughs> you know that they, they were they they um, were this kind of uh, uh, this this collection of three very distinct kind of voices and talents um, who were all destined to become, I mean, stars in their own right. And I mean, Praz is the most kind of asterisky of that, but get a superstar. <laughs> um, right. yeah. and, and which was a huge hit and is also indelible in its way. Um, but that they, um, yeah, that, that it's amazing that they, it feels like this, this backwards kind of super group. Um, and, and the, these three, you know, where you have three kind of standalone stars that, um, that decide to collaborate. Um, well, and, it's, I mean, uh, all, all from the creative hotbed of New Jersey, right. you know, home of, uh, such, such talents as Zach Braff. Right, right from right. South Orange, New Jersey, where uh, Lauren Hill attended the the bar mitzvah of one uh, young master, Zach Braff. Well, and, and we'll talk about this, but it's it always it makes me think about um, right that uh, uh, right um, the song uh, "Every Ghetto, Every City," um, which you know the title is are just those two um, jurisdictions, but then it's every ghetto, every city and suburban place I've been uh-huh. <laughs> makes me my, recall my days, uh, in the new Jerusalem. You know, for what it's worth, I, I miss, I misremembered this lyric. This is a record that I had. I listened to it a lot and actually like going back to, to these songs, I didn't recognize a lot of the titles. Um, but when I heard the, uh, when I heard the intros, when I heard the hooks, it was kind of like, to me, it was kind of like reading old friends and it was, you know, it was very cool, but I, I, misremembered the lyrics to every ghetto every city uh i uh remembered every ghetto every city every urban place i've been (laughs) and so what my brain did is this is what brains do this is what memory does it flattened out the strangeness of the thing into something that was more consistent right Right, and that that like comported with what my expectation of the the song was you know, uh, in kind of thumbnail sketch and it's not, yeah, it's not that. And it's, uh, it's a lot more interesting the way she wrote it. Well, right. And it's, I mean, and it is this kind of, um, uh, you know, as a picture of New Jersey, right. Cause new Jerusalem as slang for New Jersey is not just ghettos and cities. Um, there are lots of, uh, there are lots of suburban places (laughs) um, in there, uh, including one that she spent some time with, um, hanging out with Zach Braff, right. Uh, garden stating around, (laughs) Um, and so, so this is all by way of, of preamble, but I think that this is a case where the preamble is needed because this is such a, um, massive album kind of on its own and in its context. Um, and it's one where, and I, maybe this is a, an overriding, um, recommendation, uh, because we, we say this a lot, um, but listen to this one on headphones. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it, it, I think that without it, it dissipates, um, and uh, and and this is one right where the the skits are um, blended in to the tracks. Other than the uh, the intro, the skits are blended in. Um, but just let it kind of wash over you. Kind of um, you know potentially listen along with a lyric sheet. Um, but just something that really um, 
um, gets the, I think having the headphones, you get, you notice the difference in textures, um, especially I think between the, the kind of, um, you know, the constituent parts of the rap, um, the kind of soul and R and B and, and reggae. And you, you understand the ways in which they interplay both, um, from track to track and within individual songs. Um, and I think that it dissipates a little more, um, when you are just listening to it on speakers and it, it kind of, um, is just wafting through throughout your your house yeah um, so so put in those headphones um and give this a couple of spins and this is i mean again this uses the entire compact disc right um it's uh it's a i think pretty uh, so it's 70 minutes long it's but it's like uh, uh 69 minutes long it's it's not 80 minutes the way the, ori- the original pitchfork review said it was that's, you know that's why I, I was i was mistaken so that's that's some shape you know and and uh, uh, it will post links to both the original um, uh, Pitchfork review from 1998, because this is now interesting, right? We are now in a time where um, we are AP, right? After Wait, what, Pitchfork. Was it 1998 or was it just a couple years later? Was it when I, I, I'm going to Wikipedia and figure out when Pitchfork was founded. I think it was around 98. Um all right. Well, let's uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll Google that uh, during the commercial, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll know the answer. While while the other people, while the sponsors are doing the commercial. Right. So so either listen to this album or Google Pitchfork, uh, which was uh, launched in 1995 um, uh, by by Ryan Schreiber in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, oh, so as a print as a print magazine. So don't don't Google uh, Pitchfork. Um, instead, listen to the Miseducation of Lauren Hill um, a couple of times. Um, and once you've uh, once you've immersed it, once you've kind of made that journey to the New Jerusalem, uh, meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsors. Have you been miseducated like Lauren Hill? I I mean I've certainly been miseducated. I don't know if it's in the manner of Lauren Hill because I don't know who that is. Well, if you've been miseducated, you can educate yourself with the library of fifty five thousand online courses at Udemy dot com. Udemy, Udemy. That's right. It's an academy just for you. And to drive that home, we've spelled it with the letter U. It's Udemy. You de- I demi? Yeah. <laughs> Not I demi, you demi. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, you demi. Uh, so, so, so do- wait, and, and and do you think though it's also possible to educate this female sheep that I have? <laughs> Yes, you to me uh, in courses in in uh, buying and being sheared. You can take uh, uh, up to fifty five thousand online courses with es- expert instruction in a variety of topics, including computer programming, uh, various creative software packages, the entire uh, business school curriculum, online marketing, and other. Other important skills. You can indulge your curiosity, invest in your passion, and unlock your potential with the online courses on Udemy. And now, for a special time, we're having a, uh, a, a, a special on the course Learn How to Freestyle Rap, Rap Like a Pro, and Write Lyrics on Udemy, uh, created by Pat Para. 
go from a total beginner to advanced rapper just like Lauren Hill in this complete how-to rap course that starts with freestyle rapping on Udemy. Who to me? You to me. <laughs> and we're and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what genre this is, but you've kind of dispensed with that that question already. So, so, so let me ask. Uh, let me ask a question, Ryan. Go, go for it. Is is our Lawrence Hill learning? Huh? Yes, but she's mislearning. Right? <laughs> so, if they qualified, yes. What? What? What is our our our? Rarely is the question asked. Is our children learning? You know what? Are, what are we teaching them about? About L O V E. Well, okay. So this is so. Which education of Lauren Hill is the miseducation, right? Because my, my question for you is, is this Lauren Hill miseducated? <laughs> um, and and I think miseducation is, is an interesting word that I was um, thinking about, right? Because it's, it's not about a lack of education, right? It's not the, it's not the uneducation, uh, of, of, right. It's not the, the, yeah, it's not the ignorance of Lauren Hill, right? right? It's not the ignorance of Lauren Hill or the uneducated Lauren Hill. It's not even the maleducation of Lauren Hill. Um, uh, and, and so a, a, because when you are miseducated, um, you're I, educated, I, you're teached, you're informed, but you're informed incorrectly, right? You're, you're, like, you're informed you're, did incorrectly. I say, did I say teached? You're edu- yeah. Apparently, I've been miseducated. You're educated, taught, or you know, uh, wrongly. Like it's it's not it's not true. The things that you have been taught, right? And so, are the you know, I guess, are the skits that we hear throughout this, um, I guess. What relationship yeah. do the do the skits have to the miseducation of Lauren Hill? Like, are these skits do, do they relate to either of the keywords in the title, um, both of them, or neither of them? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, is this are the skits depicting miseducation and um, uh, or kind of um, a the positive education? Um, and are, is this meant to be the um, in your interpretation kind of um, the education or miseducation of Lauren Hill, or is it kind of orthogonal? I mean, how do you how do you read this with respect to to the title of the album? Yeah, I mean, so um, yeah, this is okay. So this is an interesting solve 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 for Lauren Hill. <laughs> solve solve the record. Like, so is it like yeah? Is are are the um are the skits exemplars of education or exemplars of, of miseducation, right? Because there seems to be like a, a William Blake, uh, songs of innocence and, or, or skits of innocence and songs of experience, you know, sort of thing, because all the, all the songs are about kind of the aftermath of bad relationships or, uh, you know, X factor and, uh, when it hurts so bad, um, 
and things like this are, are you know, either uh, are either burns on Wyclef or are, you know, about other relationships uh, or about like the bad advice she got about yep. uh, having an abortion when, in fact, she didn't want to and is glad that that she had her son um, like these are all. You know, there's a lot of like bad information, people who were not uh, people who seem to be about one thing, but are actually only about that thing, that thing, that thing. And uh, and then the but the the skits are are sort of they're looking at love from the other side. They're looking at sort of uh, they're they're more anticipatory. Right. They're more like uh, around the time of first love. Like how old are those kids supposed to be? I was thinking like 12 or 13 or something like that. Right. Because they're talking about a little bit. You get the sense that like a few of the more mature ones are starting to date or something like that or starting to because there's that that, you know, talking about uh, how they feel, how they feel about love and in love and, you know, um, and that that sort of stuff. So it's the other I mean, it's looking at that experience, that sort of formative experience of of falling in love and being sort of jerked around in love um, from the other side, uh, from the other side of the divide. So are they, uh, are they a sort of miss miseducation? Well, what is, uh, or are they the education that never, are they the alternate universe education? Right. 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 Guess, like is cause like, I mean, cause I think it's interesting to zoom in on this, class right because this class is basically love 101 right? right um or it's it's love it's it's love ed um you know in that you know and it, it, it the school the skits don't really unpack this but it's that it is a kind of counterfactual of what if we had love ed instead of sex ed yeah. <laughs> right um or in addition to sex ed um but that you know there are lots of things that kids are taught um uh, in in school, um, but that the love piece um, actually gets socialized, right? And that there is no guided tour of love. Um, and I think that what's really interesting um, about this is it is a you know the 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 type of interaction between teacher and students is is familiar, and it's a very kind of the whole thing is sort of a Socratic dialogue, right? The teacher is teaching this elementary or early middle school class um, in a Socratic method that I rarely ever saw at that age, right? Um, that it's all very, you know, uh, what is love? Um, you know, how do you know you're in love? Um, how do you behave when you're in love? Um, and, and kind of asks these probing follow-up questions of each of the students um, that gets cold called, right? Um, it's the, it's the love it's like the love kind of almost using the like um the case method of teaching right um which is like it's a, it's it's the uh, the pedagogy of love right um and i i assume that the the instructor he doesn't say his name but i assume it's dr love phd <laughs> um, um well, so, some and, people some people call him maurice yeah yeah that's right uh it is he, he is also a uh an amateur space cowboy <laughs> Well, okay, so so education, right? Like uh, uh, the Latin roots of education are ex, meaning out, and uh, ducere, meaning um, lead, right? So education is uh, leading out, right? And there's this sort of meta metaphor. It's either like in, uh, kind of initiating into life, into the world, and then there's also this metaphor of like leading out the person. 
right? The person that you are, uh, sort of self-actualization or individuation as like being, a, a an aspect of, of education, right? Like, cause the point of the knowledge is to kind of make you a citizen is to kind of make you a participant in the world and to make you, uh, the most you participant in the world, you know, that, that, yeah. that you're, you're capable um, you're capable of being right. And that like, uh, and I think that like a lot of the claim on this is that the time with the Fugees, she was being kind of suppressed, right? Like, um, mm. my emancipation don't fit your equation. Right. And that like, uh, that she, you know, and, and sort of ironically, right. Like she would go on in her life in, in her later twenties and early thirties to kind of reject entertainment, the entertainment business entirely as being kind of phony. Right. So this, this was also, uh, sort of a miseducation, right? Like, <laughs> or at least the stardom that it engendered was like a, uh, a misleading out right mm-hmm. of of uh who Lauren Hill was and and wanted to be and and ended up with her you know ended up with her sort of just washing her hands of the whole washing her hands of the whole mess and having a sort of much much lower profile cuz you you imagine like she was already an actress uh you know who had done movies and things like high profile movies she had you know this kind of world beating chart topping album like you imagine the kind and you know it was right at the time when uh it it was right at the time when um, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were coming on the scene, you know, and she could have been, she could have been like the, the, uh, soul hip hop R and B version of that, but authentic and writes her own damn songs, you know? And then also this kind of like cross media, you know, cross media superstar, um, sort of thing. I mean, it seems, it seems like there was this, there could have been, you can imagine a different timeline in which there was this perfect marriage of an incredible talent and uh, a market and the kind of techno, the, the sort of technological, um, capacity to kind of, to exploit and capitalize on, uh, on that talent. And she went a completely different direction. Um, which is, you know, uh, which is interesting and like good for her. I'm, I'm sure it, it uh, you know, saved her. I don't know a lot of uh, a lot of trouble in her life. You know, trips to rehab or whatever. But the the uh, the the counterfactual, like the road not taken, is an interesting one to contemplate here. Yeah, it really it really is, and I mean, not only just for her, but for kind of the pop the popular culture as a whole, right? Like what would have kind of Lauren Hill 2002, 2006, 2010 looked like? I mean, it's, it's because as a result, the, what we have is primarily is this, is this time capsule, right? And, um, and it, it, I think the long, now that 20 years have passed um, and it's, it's sort of this and this um, and, and her unplugged album, which are, is kind of legendary in its, its own way. Um, it, it is 
Um, yeah, it's not, there isn't the disappointing follow-up really, right? That, that, uh, she has this kind of legendary, um, status. So when she kind of comes out and shows up, um, does shows, um, shows up on songs, it is a, a major, um, a major event, right? That there isn't this, like, she's not someone like, right? The, um, right. Like Wyclef, like, uh, again, we were talking about him earlier, um, you know, released another, uh, a, another carnival that last year that was very kind of disappointing. Right? It was Wyclef trying to, it was, I yeah, think it was the had, Carnival had, 3, right? He had some good, though, like Eclectic, I think, was a good record. Preacher's Son was all right. Like, I, you know, he, there, there's some good, there's some good work in there. But it's, uh, but he is still, yeah, trying to make it happen in a way that's not, not totally hitting for him. And it, and then if like Lauren Hill were to show up somewhere, right. You'd be like, what Lauren Hill gotta, gotta listen to that. Gotta buy that single or stream that, you know, whatever. Like, uh, it would be, it would be kind of a different, a different thing. Um, the scare, like the actual scarcity creates that. I suppose the, the unplugged like 2.0, um, record, uh, is the disappointing follow-up for some people but that's not it's not a record it's a sketchbook it's not an album you know what i mean it's like right, uh right it's a it's almost it's like a work in progress it's almost a, like a workshop kind of right. uh kind of presentation and it's and she's sort of upfront about a lot of that in the patter in between the songs uh on that record and i really like that sort of experimental spirit or sort of trying to you know trying to achieve something trying to trying to to pull something together and it's clear that she has vision to spare right she's credited as a producer on uh, the sole producer on on the vast majority and and at least uh one among several producers on all of the songs yeah um yeah absolutely i mean so again I, I back to have the question of you know the the miseducation right and is our is our lauren hill learning i mean it is that I, I think that there are these two. Th- I mean, I guess there's a lot. I mean, another way to kind of I interpret the the skits is that the is a, a kind of um, you know if I knew then what I know now kind of thing, or if I could like go and teach my younger self, right? That, um, right. I've learned things, you know, even in, you know, at her relatively young age and making this, um, kind of feels like she's like learned a, a lifetime's worth of, from, you know, mistakes and heartbreak, um, and confusion and kind of, um, pain that she wishes she could distill into a curriculum and teach to her younger self. Right. Um, and it, well, cause I think that in these kinds of matters of, of, you know where it's whether it's love but also kind of of um of gender and identity and power and kind of race um that are especially i think gender performance right that um that there's a need for kind of facilitation <laughs> and, and and getting back to this kind of um this kind of leading out um right and that um that without kind of that leadership there is i mean i think it's an interesting way of um 
I mean, it's an interesting idea that in kind of matters of kind of interpersonal um, relationships and romantic relationships, that there is rather than there being kind of leading out, there's kind of a anarchic, <laughs> like running wild, right? That there's a natural rumspringa, basically, uh, of um, of of kind of adolescence and young adulthood, um, where it is much more um, actually kind of much more um, Habesian, right? Um, kind of uh the you know adolescence is dark and hell is hot right um and and so that there is this interesting desire for a a a guided tour of that because i i think that um a lot of the the back and forth in the skits is very is is interesting because it's it's pausing for um a kind of reflection about love that you know, never really happens in adolescence, right? Uh, um, and and you know, especially reflecting on why we you know what you really are expecting of another person, how you ought to treat another person, um, and what this what this means, kind of how this connects to emotion. Um, and it's it's very cool to kind of hear these kids kind of work through this, right? It is, it's it's a very well written kind of little you know macro sketch or kind of one act play um that that um uh that that illustrates this and then it makes the kinds of you know whether it's it's kind of heartbreak or kind of disappointment or um kind of you know exclusion or doubt that are, are expressed in some of the songs um then all that more poignant right because it was you know someone who wishes they had had this right so that, that's i mean that's kind of how i read this i don't know if there are kind of specific songs um or lyrics or moments that illustrate this or kind of um related points that you that you noticed well i want yeah i mean it's, it's it's interesting because she has a different she is a much less forgiving analyst of romantic difficulty and entanglement than the teacher and the students are right like because right. they're they're piecing out uh the difference between love and being in love and love is kind of a quality of almost like a quality of paying attention because it says like you notice them or you care about them or you like care where they are or something like that like you're you're sort of interested in the other person for their uh uh, for their sake and um you know and and sort of uh, kind of charmingly and touchingly defend their uh own ability to to feel love in their way right like uh in the in the sketch that's just like well what if i said that was just infatuation you're too young and all the kids are like no no we can't you know like it's sort right. of uh, uh that's sort of sweet uh, contrast lauren hill right on that thing um Right. Uh, uh, it's been three weeks since you were looking for your friend, the one you let hit it and never called you again. Remember when he told you he was about the Benjamins? You act like you ain't hear him. Then give him a little trim. <laughs> to begin, uh, how you think you're really going to pretend like you wasn't down and you called him again? Right. And so there's this like, well, it's your own fault. There's, you know, like, uh, and, but it's a, it's a little bit like, um, you looked, you looked reality in the face and sort of denied it. Like the, the information was available to you. You sort of miseducated yourself about, you know, about what this, uh, uh, about what this guy, about what this guy, uh, was. And, and like, uh, and, and though there is a little bit like, don't think I haven't been through the same predicament, uh, you know, 
uh, it's silly when girls sell their souls because it's in. Uh, look at uh, look at where you be in. Her weaves like Europeans. Fake nails done by Koreans, uh, and uh, you know, and so forth. Um, the girls are only about that thing. No, that's not that. Uh, that verse is not about the guy and how he misled you. It's how uh, it's about how the girl was about. Uh, was about that thing and sort of did it wrong, um, you know, sort of did it wrong and doesn't necessarily have have the right to complain, which is a very different kind of analysis, right, than the one, than the analysis that is about sort of vulnerability and tenderness and, and sort of mutuality and, and attention that the, the, uh, that the, the kids are working through in the skit. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, I think the other song, the other other kind of big, one of the other big singles that um, maybe has uh, eliminates another side of this is everything is everything, right? Um, And maybe we can ping pong back between the two, right? Because on everything is everything. This is the the Ayn Rand objectivist thesis, right? Like uh, the A equals A, um, you know, uh, uh, song, right? No, I'm kidding. It's, It's not that at all. No, no. Uh, it is, it is, I wrote these words for everyone who struggles in their youth, uh, who won't accept deception in instead of what is truth. Um, it seems we lose the game before we even start to play. Who made these rules? We're so confused, easily led astray. Um, right. And, and so I think that, um, right, that there is this. I mean, I think that it, it, I guess, puts a little bit of if there's a little more compassion for the kind of misled kind of youth um, there in part because it, it it is an interesting thing where I think if you do just read um, I think if you just read that thing um, on its own and some of the other songs on their own, they're very kind of agency based, right. Of, of kind of like stop miseducating yourself. Right. Um, um, But that this is kind of, you know, this, everything is everything a lot situates the individual in society a lot more. Right. Um, like who made the rules were so confused. Right. And, and kind of losing before you even start to play. Um, right. But, and, and that comes back to like, I, for me, the image that that conjures, um, with reference to the skits is of a, of a coach. Right. And that, um, that, that, you know, these kinds of this, this group of everyone who struggles in their youth, um, are kind of um, you're playing a game without without a coach and without even knowing which game you're yeah, playing. Yeah, sure. Like pick pick yourself up, you know, brush yourself off, rub some dirt on it, and get back in the game. Right? Like that's right, right, you right. Know, that's the thing. Uh, is Brian? I have a question. Is everything everything? Um, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> in a way, everything is everything. Oh man, but there are so many. I mean, um, what was the 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 lines um, on this that really that got me? Some of the some of the like I'd say um, everything is everything and final hour um, have I think some of my favorite um, 
uh, rapping um, uh, on this, especially where it comes in on the, the second verse. Um, our philosophy possibly be, uh, speak tongues, beat drum, Abyssinian, street Baptist, wrap this fine linen from the beginning. Uh, my practice extending across the atlas. I begat this flipping on the ghetto on a de- dirty mattress. You can't match this rapper slash actress more powerful than two Cleopatras. Ah. Bomb graffiti on the t- tomb of Nefertiti. MCs ain't ready to take it to the Serengeti. Um, my rhymes is heavy like the mind of Sister Betty. El Boogie spars with stars and constellations, then came down for a little conversation adjacent to the king. Fear no human being. Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum. Now I hear this mixture where hip hop meets scripture to develop a negative into a positive picture. I mean, that is I mean, that is the kind of, you know, I think that it is creating from a tautology, right? Like everything is everything is everything is everything right. is everything. But is that's, everything. but that's like, yeah, that's, it's, it's interesting because it's a, it's a story like, uh, 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 reggae is hip hop is R and B is yeah. gospel is, yeah. you know, neo soul, you know, what, uh, what have you. And the kind of the, the, like the polyglot, uh, thing and like the, just the, the metaphorical language here, uh, uh, Abyssinian street Baptist, right? Like fantastic. Uh, flipping in the, uh, flipping in the ghetto on a dirty mattress, more powerful than two Cleopatras, right? Like the, the range of reference and the kind of the, the sort of associative, uh, personal universe, um, roll with the cherubims to Nassau Coliseum. Like that's what, well, you know what? Even that's so. It's it's so great. I mean, it's a, it's such a great verse. But I feel like in microcosm here, there is a, um, you know, there is a sort of uh, uh, exemplar of what the artistic technique of the album is, yeah. which is like it's not it's not confined. It's not one thing. It's sort of uh, it goes off in a lot of different directions and kind of melds them together um, into one thing. And it's uh, it's cosmic and it's personal. And it's uh, it's you know sort of sociological and it's mythological and uh, you know and there's no um, and it's kind of slippery you, you kind of can't pin it down right and that's a uh, that's a, a a feature of the sound of the record as well. Oh, absolutely. And again, getting back to the second to last line of the verse, which I I said quickly, right hear this mixture where hip hop meets scripture. Um, And it's this idea of a kind of hip hop, um, you know, that the, that it's this, there is a kind of, you know, pan-African or kind of, you know, the, a music of the diaspora in which kind of hip-hop is there, but it is also a cosmology and a, a worldview. Um, and is a, you know, I also even, um, I, I think again about everything is everything, in addition to being this kind of loop um, and this kind of, this this tautology or a paradox. I also think that, right, I, I'm i given to think of a more contemporary usage of, you know, to say, you know, this is everything, right? You know, yeah. Oprah's speech, Oprah's Golden Go- Golden Globe speech is everything, right? right. Um, right. Uh, which probably appears somewhere, is the headline of somebody's blog post from the last few days, right? Um, and so this there's something here of 
everything. Yeah, it's sort of everything. right. Exactly. It's a re, it's a rebuke to that sort of facile mentality uh, before it had even been before meme culture was even invented. You know. Well, and that's the amazing thing about uh, an Ouroboros, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you can always be ahead of your time when when you when you understand the circularity, uh, right? Uh, you know, uh, pop culture is a flat circle, right? Um, and so that there is um there is that sense of being and, and in some ways right like and i never quite thought about this but that idea of kind of circularity that is there in the in in this title and kind of in that verse is um is prophetic right um and in some ways you know this ability to kind of tell the future is in part from a perspective that recognizes it's easier to tell the future when you realize um, that, that there is a tremendous amount of circularity and there's kind of um, a finite set of, of things that are combined and recombined into culture and, and into events. Um, and, but, but that there is that said that, that that's not to trivialize, but is to, to kind of say that, um, you know, that the actual power and the kind of combustion of these parts um, create, a you know something that is both kind of culturally prophetic and kind of artistically prophetic, right? That so much of this kind of um, exactly what you're describing is the musical project of this album, um, and kind of the way it crossed all of these types of genres is something that um, is still deeply influencing where kind of um, popular music is um, in, to, in in 2018, right? Yeah. 20 years later, I mean, it kind of predicted and set this course, right? Hey, right, and and I mean, you mean prog R and B specifically, right? What we call prog R and B, but well, but I also mean, and we talked a little about this a little bit with. Um, the carnival as well. I mean, I, I also think about, um, you know, the, the Diplo, I mean, the Diplo centric kind of world music, kind of world music, dance music, hip hop kind of fusion, right. That it, it beyond the kind of prog R and B, um, there's kind of, um, all of the, you know, whether it's kind of pop, hip hop, hip hop, pop, right. You know, kind of you know, the trappy world, the world beat world. It kind of hits a lot of those, right. Most of what is in the top 20, um, while, while it's, um, you know, especially on the albums and kind of in culturalist prog R and B still has its moment. Um, I think that th- most of the other things that have kind of, that are circling through the, both the, especially the singles chart, um, owe a lot of kind of a debt to the vision that is kind of set out, um, you know, on this song and on this album, um, you know, more generally. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's sort of so, so fascinating. And also when you, I mean, again, not to harp on this, but when you consider how young she was, right. Like, and how, just how, and, and, and kind of how natural it comes through. I'm sure there's a great deal of, of technique and a great deal of effort to kind of produce an album uh, that sounds like this, but it really, really gives the sense of being very fluid and being very effortless, right? Like, uh, and that's so, yeah. you know, and it's so, it's so great. Like the, the, um, and really, really sort of splits the difference well or kind of exemplifies both well of like highly directed music, like highly, highly sort of hooky music, uh, and, um, and catchy pop music with, uh, with all of its sort of payoffs and, uh, uh, satisfactions. And also the kind of more exploratory, uh, 
uh, more exploratory kind of um, contemporary R and B uh, with you know vocal improvisation and uh, a little less eagerness to please and a little less kind of goal directed sensibility. Um, I you know I don't know. I just like uh, I, I I sort of can't say enough things to appreciate that because I really. Uh, I think it really threads I, it threads a lot of needles pretty deftly, and that's uh, uh, that's quite a thing. Well, and that other one that we were kind of talking about, maybe a third needle that it threads and kind of it it, um, it relates to this kind of less directed piece. But in addition to the kind of more kind of experimental kind of R and B kind of neo soul piece, is just the are the rap workouts right? And everything is everything is one of those. And I mean that's more a little more in the context of a pop song, but um, final hour is is um, an amazing rap workout, um, right? Uh, and and does you know it's it's kind of similar to everything is everything. I won't read it all off, but in this in the third verse, kind of. Um, hits kind of deep cut references to nearly kind of every world religion, right? Um, and it's kind of amazing, right? And the kind of um, these internal rhymes, I'll just do the one couplet that just blew my mind is that now I'm going to get the ro- mozzarella like a Rockefeller, still be in the church of Lalabella singing hymns a cappella. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and then and then she bounces to another rhyme scheme um, uh, with uh, in the middle of the next line. And it's just so it's so good. Um, and is, is, is the best, you know, rapping, um, you know, on par and kind of pushing forward the best rapping of that era. And I think there's something in the samples that are really interesting of not once, but twice on this album on, um, on X factor and on, I used to love him. Um, she pulls in, um, Wu Tang samples. Right. And so, you know, it, it is, um, it, you know, that her peers, right. She's not kind of even engaged with, um, and I, you know, this is, is in some of the writing on this album, right. It's not that it's even just like engaged with Lil Kim or Foxy Brown or kind of earlier female rappers, um, uh, Salt Peppa um, or or Queen Latifah, but is like you know very much kind of engaged with um, you know with the you know with it is not aiming to the, be the best female rapper of 1998, um, but is kind of transcending, um, you know, is, is, is kind of transcending the best of hip hop period, um, of 1998. And as a result of creating one and, and doing that alongside this amazing pop songwriting alongside, um, these kind of reggae and soul explorations and kind of vocal improvisations and the kind of amazing, um, singing as well. And it's just kind of, it fires on, on all of, of the the cylinders um is a, a way but you know that it really succeeds you know within the many things that this is um you know one of the you know best rap albums is just one of them yeah <laughs> right um and that's what's incredible yeah it, this this often appears on lists of like 100 best rap albums right which is interesting which is really interesting because the rapping it's memorable but it's not it's it's uh, do you think it's more sung than than rapped? I mean I I guess we'd have to go back and kind that. of like like time but my my sense of it is that it's more sung uh 
than rapped because the, it might be. I would guess sixty forty um, sung rap yeah, by time. Yeah, and that like uh, you know because you could call it right. You could call it one of the most beautifully sung you know soul or gospel records, right? Or like right. Uh, and not just one of the uh, one of the you know hundred best rap records, hundred best hip hop records, or or uh, you know. Um, examples of of great rapping, which you know it ends up on it ends up on compilations and lists like that, uh, uh, all the time. I I find just I I find myself drawn to a certain organic quality. Like there there are you identified a couple of samples. There there are some other ones uh, of kind of notable things, um, but they're very organic, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not. Uh, this yeah. isn't the sort of what becomes the kind of the Kanye technique of like really just being um, uh, of the samples as as kind of a means of alienation of the uh, in the sense of uh, causing causing uh, attention to be drawn to their status as samples. You know, right. it's almost like the samples are used to recreate something that a live band might do, you yeah. know, if you actually had a live backing band. And, like, I'm, I'm really, like, drawn to the uh, organic quality mm-hmm. um, of, this, of this record and the way, like, some of the drumming sounds like it has a kind of a human lilt to it, even yeah. if it is, like, even if it is a loop, you know? Well, and, and, and again, this is, I think it's stark to think about this, that this uh, album is from the same year as the DMX album that we talked about last week, right? And th- this is, I think, it's the, the tragedy, again, of um, uh, of the DMX record, which, while it has great beats, you wish that it had that kind of liveness, <laughs> or at least a liveness that suited it. Um, obviously, the exact sonic palette of the miseducation uh, of Lauryn Hill um, would not quite fit with, uh, with, with, with what DMX is creating, but this kind of the, the sounding, right. I, I agree that it's just the, the sounds of the drums, um, of the instrumentation, um, is just very full. Um, and, and, and of, of the backing vocals, right. Is it, I think it's on, um, um, I think it's, uh, X factor, or maybe it's it's to Zion. Zion um, has Zion has the like the gospel shout chorus. The gospel, is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. awesome. Right? Now the and, now the um, joy joy of my world world is in Zion is in Zion. Yeah, and in in that that just beautiful, fantastic, beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. that like that that uh kind of gorgeous like wall of sound gospel gospel choir. You could yeah. just see the choir in robes, like yeah. kind of moving in unison, and this kind of beautiful sound coming out it's it's pretty rad uh also yeah. also features sometime uh sometime rob thomas collaborator carlos santana well right and this is before that though right <laughs> this is um yeah, exactly. said, i mean it's another way it's uh, listen not all prophecies are good prophecies <laughs> <laughs> right and so so just as you know there's a you know the, the kind of amazing moment of r&b and of of kind of um you know trans bo- uh, boundary genre hopping fusion is something that was predicted by this uh by by lauren hill um on on the miseducation uh, listen everything is everything 
and um, and smooth by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 is everything also. Um, and uh, and so and I think that would come about a about a year later, I believe, um, if, if I remember correctly, that was out. I remember that being around um, by uh, around at the time of my senior year of high school, right? I'm, I'm two years younger than you, um, two, two cohorts. So I remember I was still in high school when that song was out, if I remember correctly. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, like Lauren Hill says, it's, it's just like the ocean under the moon. It's the same as the emotion that I, I get from you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so like Zion is another example of this. Like it's a story. It's a personal story about, uh, you know, choosing to remain pregnant, um, you know, against the advice of, of career advisors and kind of links it to, uh, the story of Jesus birth with like an angel coming, uh, an angel appearing and saying that like a man child would, would be born, you know, a man child, meaning both, I think son, but also like the son of man, you know, the, the, right, right. the sort of like, um, like a human, like you would expect it to be a, a, a God child, but it's actually a, it's actually a human. Um, and that like, uh, you know, all this, um, I've never been in love like this before sort of stuff kind of opens up a new dimension like the, of like, of a parental love of kind of a mother's love. Um, and that like, uh, uh, you know, that that is like a kind of a new, a new dimension to it. Now in the skit that follows it, right? Like when the, the, uh, the, the teacher asks one of the boys, like, uh, who's, who's gonna be, who's gonna say what love is? Uh, the first boy's answer is it's willingness to do everything for that person, which mm. sounds more like the sort of sacrificial parental mm-hmm. love, right? Than necessarily like a kind of partner type romantic love, but is, is very appropriate to the, uh, is very appropriate to the, the song that's, that has, uh, just happened, you know? I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, to think about kind of the the imagery of 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 Zion and um and with kind of parent that kind of parental sacrifice and love and kind of um and I mean, I think it's it's kind of I, I think there's kind of two levels, right? That there is the kind of sense of Zion in kind of Judeo Christian kind of meanings of kind of Jerusalem and kind of a, you know, a, the kind of Judeo Christian kind of promised land. But then there's the kind of Rastafari use of kind of, you know, reference to Ethiopia, to kind of Africa in general. Right. Um, And, and so that, and, and so, but with both of those and identifying this kind of, that there's a kind of love Zion, right? Is, is, is that there's kind of that it's, it's kind of articulating kind of motherhood as love Zion. Right. Um, and well, yeah. And it, it's, it is that interesting thing, right? Because like Zion is like the promised land. Right. But right, then also exactly. like, but in this, like in the African diaspora, uh, you know, especially after the slave trade, right? Like it's this sort of, it's also the original land. It's like the lost home that is also the promised land. Mm-hmm. And there is this, mm-hmm. there, 
is this kind of also this sort of cycle of childhood, motherhood, childhood, motherhood, childhood, mm-hmm. motherhood, uh, which is another way of saying that everything, everything is there you go. Yeah, and that's it. And so the end of the podcast is the beginning of the podcast is the end of the podcast is the beginning of the podcast. Um, And we will just keep miseducating ourselves and miseducating you, the listeners, uh, as we go on. Uh, Because with an album like this um, that, you know, bakes the tautologies and bakes the the endless cycles of childhood and motherhood of of promised lands in, um, it never really ends. Right. And um, and this is, you know, an album that is um and again uh the the beginning of the year of of lauren hill is the end of the year of lauren hill um and so um you know get i'll in, bet i mean get, i'll bet i'll bet there is a you know 180 gram reissue of this on vinyl before the end of the year right i mean we yeah yeah exactly i think there will be some vinyl there may be some concerts you know there will be so get your listens in early um you know you won't necessarily um have liked uh, the miseducation of um uh lauren hill before it was cool because it was instantly cool (laughs) um but like you will get in get in behind uh ahead of the the nostalgia gold rush um uh, get some kind of deep cut facts uh ready for your uh for your uh uh, august august 2018 uh you know for your labor day barbecue where everyone's talking (laughs) about this album (laughs) Um, but seriously, it's an, it's an incredible album and it's one that I was, um, really happy to have the opportunity, um, to delve into, um, because I kind of missed it while my brother and I were driving to school and listening to DMX. Uh, and so whether, whether it was a record, um, that you listened to a lot, um, back in that fall of, of 98, uh, or you're only getting to now, um, with the, uh, the, the impending 20th anniversary, um, give it, um, continuous looping spins um and let us know what you think uh, on facebook on uh on twitter and on the show notes at overthinking it um we will have a different ne- record next week but we'll still be in the 90s and i think still be in 1998 uh, i think we'll we'll hang out here for a while uh 1998 was an interesting year we've um uh we, we have a lot of good 98 records some good 99 ones coming up um so so stick uh, uh, stick around, uh, come on back, and wherever we land uh, next week, just know that it will be real. <laughs>